Hello. You are listening to Oblivion. It is September 6th, 2022. That means it's uh, back to school time. And it's uh, back to school for the students in Uvalde. Remember that place <laughs> called Uvalde? Yeah, oh yeah, good times. So are they like, did they make them go back to the uh, original school with riddle with bullets and... Rob Elementary? <laughs> yeah. They're actually not going to reopen that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, gonna, everything else... They're is... gonna, let me guess, they're going to like, they're going to blow it up with, with a smart bomb. From a drone. Yeah. Do it the American way. But there are all kinds of reasons to uh, completely overhaul the American education system. But before I get to that, because among other things, that's going to get me talking about Finland, which will get me talking about Sana mm -hmm. Marin. And then I'll want to get into a comparison of Sana Marin and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I just want to ask you, Dave, how many Americans do you think are thinking about Uvalde right now? Well, I, I don't know. I know there's one. I mean, I, was, I, 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 wasn't, Uvalde, I wasn't thinking and, about it until uh, you said it. So, um. And the, the uh, NRA butt plugs in Austin, <laughs> uh, nobody is. And that says it all about the character of the American people, uh, who I maintain and really are in in these uh, in these times uh, the the culprit uh, for the country's problems. But uh, how someone couldn't be horrified, deeply saddened. that this Uvalde shooting happened uh, is uh, is completely sickening, and there's just absolutely no excuse for it uh, at all. And to think that since then, if I have my timeline of 2022 up to this point with all of its glorious triumphs, in reference to, I think, the political discussion that you were having last Christmas. Um, instead of the Second Amendment being repealed, Roe versus Wade gets overturned. That's how we're going to look out for children, because, of course, this pre-born, unborn, forming thing inside a woman's body is more of a priority than the actual uh, human beings. And again, just to recount the numbers, there was 19 10-year-olds that were executed in Uvalde after the, the perpetrator got an AR-15 legally legally able to do this then killed someone i think his grandmother perhaps and then drove to the school after killing someone got out of the vehicle armed with the ar-15 went over a fence and this whole time 
no one did anything uh, to uh, to stop him. And then finally he gets in the school where it takes an hour before the police actually figure out what to do and go in and uh, engage and, and neutralize uh, the shooter. Meanwhile, leaving this, this incredible nightmare uh, hour of time, there's no excuse for, for that. <laughs> and, um, and these, uh, and these people getting killed. I mean, that is the country we live in and why Americans would think of this as something that, well, I can see why that would still be affecting their community. Why isn't it affecting the one community that we live in, which is the country and really the world? And of course, Americans are snobs and they roll their eyes and they think, well, of course, we're not good. it didn't happen to us. Why didn't it happen to you? I mean, if it's the next town over from Uvalde, does that count? If it's where the incorporated city of Uvalde ends, you're on like 100 centimeters from that point. Does it does it not matter anymore? It's just such a bizarre, uh, overly intellectual way of thinking. What happened there? And this isn't there. It's here. <laughs> I, I mean, you're really. A, a sick and worthless person if you aren't seriously still pissed off about this and uh, can't see how your government and well I think that the comments I was just making are relevant to what's uh, happening in Seattle where the New York Times um, you know, Pentagon Incorporated is um <clears throat> emphasizing how the homicides in Seattle are up ever since there was a, a strong defund the police movement by the radical liberals um, in the in the uh, Seattle uh, local government and the Washington uh, state government. And of course, the the defund the police is the one and only reason that these homicides are, are happening. Um, and meanwhile, I think that, that without a doubt, the, the best and the clearest example of why you should defund the police is Uvalde, because it shows you that, uh, there aren't any guarantees about any kind of intervention or timely help that the police can give anyone. And we know at this point that the police in this country basically just to exist as a strong arm for the prison state and the labor camp and just to round people up and get them in there, right? In this country, we have law, but we don't have law for the sake of order, right? I think about Al Gore conceding in 2000 when George Bush stole the presidential election while we worry about January 6th and deny that the that actually had already happened 20 years earlier um, and Al Gore saying we're a nation of laws uh, but we're really not a nation of laws we're a nation of punishment I mean, that's what the system is designed to do. That's what where the motivation comes from. There is no clear, it's supposed to be law and order, and there is no clear 
uh, emphasis on the on the output of order in terms of what law is and how it's interpreted and how it's applied and how it's enforced. And those are all very simple and basic questions. Those aren't way out there radical ideas. But it, the, the point being that if you're going to spend all this money on your police and it's possible for an 18-year-old to legally buy an AR-15 and you can go kill one person and then it's got to be at least half an hour between killing that one person, driving, leaving a murder scene with the weapon, with an AR-15. This isn't a gun uh, hidden like a Walter PPK under a tuxedo jacket. And he parks, gets, is running with the gun and jumps over a fence and the whole time nothing happens and then even when he starts killing people it takes another hour for something to happen where is the order in that kind of a, of a society well i mean and what when, the the what i would say to that is it basically it shatters the the myth of the police officer doing anything i mean especially like preventing crime that's a 100% myth that's never occurs uh, you know and uh, that's always how they present themselves as being the protectors of the people and the hero. Yeah, and the hero, and it's morphed into this paramilitary thing where, and and a total sham. That's what Uvalde just showed was that you know they had all this paramilitary gear and and this and uh, they had done all this training, uh, you know, and marched around in their in their outfits and probably were in their little tank like things. And, uh, uh, you know, and when, when it came time to do it, they, you know, clean their hands with sanitizer and, uh, and, uh, having a drink of water and, you know, chit chatting there in the hall. You know, they were looking for, for keys to a room that no one had any reason to believe was locked and they didn't try to see well why don't we see if it's locked before we worry about where the keys are well and there, was, there was all reason. there were people there there was like that one cop i think it was who he was going to storm it himself he was like going to trying to recruit somebody to storm it you know like his kid was in there got killed or something like that his kid was in the building and right. they're like no no <laughs> it's like right Jesus. you would have been better off i mean uh you would have been better off if you didn't have any uh, police, right? Because oh, the parents would have gone in and stopped it. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Would Which shows have... you how abnormal the police are. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally worthless. Not, uh, shouldn't have any of them. And, you know, I, it's definitely frightening the level of uh, our society's acceptance of the bullshit um you know, I mean, Uvalde, you know, sure, it was a, a horror that uh, guns uh, were involved there, but it was really the real scandal of that on top of just yet another uh, awful uh, school shooting uh, was just the police response and how pathetic, you know. I mean, not only did they not help, then they just harassed everybody afterwards into like, you know, shut right. up and, you know, just total Nazis, right? Right, all about themselves. 
Yeah. Which is what corruption is. Yeah. You're not there to actually perform something that's useful and valuable for society. Like you, the police department exists for the policeman. It's their own club and it's their own group as a group among all the other groups. But it's to, to go back to Seattle to make the argument that um, the reason that there's an increase in homicides in Seattle is that they defunded the the police. But the first thing I would do is I would cite this other example like Uvalde, right? How many times in a, in a place like Uvalde did 19 people get killed in a single day? I bet that rarely happens. That's probably the real spike in violence. But yeah, Uvalde right. yeah. and places in Texas, is this where our big radical liberals are at work? No. Well, then it's you, your explanation has been falsified, right? The increase in the violence, the one and only thing to be talking about is the guns. But the but the Pentagon press, a.k.a. the New York Times, still won't consistently talk about guns and gun violence. They're eager to jump on the Reagan revolution runaway train and say it's the radical liberals of defunding the police. And as as you as you well put it, um, the where is the science? Where is the data to show that the existence of police corresponds to um, reducing or eliminating crime? I mean, the most crime-ridden places in America are notorious being swamped by the police, right? Because they are high crime areas. Am I not mistaken? Right? It's like a it's a it's a question that you can't give a good answer to and defend the argument that you need to have all these police because they can say, well so then it's good to have all these police. Well yes. Yeah. So in these high crime neighborhoods, if anywhere I would expect to see a lot of police. Well, yes, because, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense if this is a high crime area and we're going to have any police of all that they wouldn't be in the high crime area in a higher concentration. Well, of course. Well, if you have a lot of police in an area, how can it be a high crime area if having the police reduces or eliminates crime? Right. It just doesn't have uh, it. It isn't making anything uh, better. I mean, it's been a police state and a prison state. I mean, you've seen those charts, right, where the prison population is pretty constant over the decades, over the generations. And then, surprise, surprise, right after the counterculture, it just skyrockets, right? With Nixon, it goes up, but then Reagan, it really goes up. And then when Clinton gets in there, it goes up even more. Well, Biden, thanks to Biden, I mean, he was Biden, one, he's yes, the one that sent over the top, right? I mean, that was when it just went bonkers. And... uh 
Well, but, you know, you just can't say that. So, you know, whatever. Who comes on the scene? Joe, Joe Biden, right? And if we're going to talk about what's wrong with America, we wouldn't want to talk about someone who's been in the government for his whole life. <laughs> right. And has, has the record you know, to prove what I'm talking about. It's not like exactly. I'm making up that he's like the most right-wing, one of the most right-wing people that's ever been in government, much less, you know, a Democrat. Uh, yeah. He right. should not be president. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's not only is he just uh, uh, been extreme right winger domestically, he's always supported every war, and and this current stance uh, with this U- Ukraine and and the anti-China going to war with China thing is just it's just uh, over the top. It's like it's unprecedented. It's it's more nutty uh, than it was in the Reagan time for sure. Right? I don't remember like us going to. There was detente with Reagan as far as China was concerned. Um, and there was even a fair amount of detente with the Soviet Union, right? And it wasn't well, right. Like, it wasn't like we're not going to talk with Putin at all about anything, which is the current uh, well, <laughs> attitude. Well, um, it was kind of, uh, as, as fate would have it, in a way, a, a Hollywood ending, right, for the actor... Uh, Ronald Reagan in in that what really could have been well I mean what really was a disastrous presidency and definitely was a major shift in the direction of the country that to this day hasn't been uh, recalibrated <clears throat> but um, it's been reinforced but it, it did end with uh, what is unfortunately you couldn't see continue, which was a real softening of the uh, cold stance between the United States and, and, and Soviet Union. And that was a, a really good thing. I mean, it was good to see the, the two big leaders of these countries meeting face to face and smiling mm-hmm. and trying to promote a sense of goodwill. Right. Of course, that also seems like a very basic human function yeah. of any of us, and certainly people who want to call themselves uh, leaders. But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, with Biden as an active player in uh, American politics, right, in Washington, right, at the highest level of power, um, you see definitely a, a rehardening and a uh, – a, a, an onset of the frigidity once again um, between the two nations. And I mean, it's, it's hard to say right now that with Putin actually invading Ukraine, I can't really blame anyone for saying that they're, that they're going to take a, a tough stance on Putin, but it's more about between when Putin invaded Ukraine um and when Joe Biden came on the scene, that obviously there was not any interest in cultivating, right, and allowing to take root this warming up and more benevolent stance toward these other countries. And with China, you're certainly right. And, with, you know, China, of all people, you want nutty is certainly the, the word because China is definitely ascending right i mean they first of all they have the pandemic under control 
so that's not wrecking their economy. They are a smart culture. They're not like America, where we take pride in being dumb and uneducated, and we vilify uh, educated people. Uh, but uh, with the, um, the the ascendancy of, of China, and it, I think it definitely has become a stronger, more powerful country in the last 20 years, uh, America, meanwhile, losing a 20-year in, in war in Afghanistan, and if anything, America's stance, plus with Putin invading uh, Ukraine, you can see <clears throat> America's adversaries becoming more aggressive and more assertive. Uh, this would not seem to be a time for America to want to be uh, provoking a conflict with anyone much, much less China. I'm guessing maybe you're thinking of when Pelosi went to Taiwan. Well, I, the... I mean, that's been the the latest. Um, I, you know, it was definitely was a signal of pretty radical uh, shift. Uh, although Obama, you know, the shift to Asia that was the that was when the policy was began, where we were going to start putting pressure on on them to try to tamp them down to. Um, you know, a negative campaign against China. Um, you know, it's not like China isn't, uh, there isn't plenty to critique. Uh, you know, they're a pretty authoritarian uh, uh, place. You, you know, you're not nearly as free in certain aspects uh, of places as the United States. Not that the United States is any wonderland of utopian uh, libertarianism. Uh but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, so yeah, it's been ongoing and it's just ramping up to the next level. And they're just these uh, militants that are controlling foreign policy in this country are just um, they were they're really uh, extreme, you know, and uh, and so Biden is a right wing extremist. So let's talk about uh, his speech he did this last week. Did you hear anything much about that? Uh, um. uh, well, I, I think he's trying to get everybody uh, riled up about yeah. being against Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, basically, it, it, he stated, you know, that uh, MAGA was basically a terrorist <laughs> group, you know, the extremists. They're right-wing extremists, you know. Pan Kong is going to black. You still there? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, I thought of Hillary Clinton uh, calling Trump supporters uh, the deplorables. Mm -hmm. And how it's that elitism, right, that uh, snobbishness from the liberals that is both a most unbecoming trait, but also most politically foolish. Because it's never a good idea to uh, provoke and and incite your your uh, your opponent, right? The you don't the more you you agitate them, the more you uh, get them upset, the more determined they become. They become more difficult. Well, and and a, and much of the right wing rhetoric is that you know that. Uh, Biden is this extremist that's going to like take away all their guns and you know, you know, make it a police state 
uh, you know, not that it already isn't, but uh, the special Biden right. police state. Right. And so it just feeds into this. That they really do have that attitude towards us. I mean, we're, you know, they think that we're a terrorist and they don't want to, won't negotiate. So I, I think it bodes bad for, you know, trying to, you know, in the meantime, they, you know, what is Biden doing other than this, like, you know, MAGA is bad, Trump is bad shit, you know, obviously well, not that's much. A, yeah, and uh, that's a really good point. And, and uh, why is Biden making that big speech? Well, because as always, the Democrats really don't have anything to run on other than fear mongering. And yeah. it, it brings me back to this um national ad uh for for the democrats that um is is just a total uh, fear-mongering ad where they show the the proud boys and these other right-wing groups and their uh military gear uh i am guessing a lot of this footage comes from the george floyd protests and they're saying things like democrats are your only alternative to the far right and uh, you must vote Democrat to keep the far right out. Our democracy is at stake. And it's just this uh, wacko, over-the-top, fear-mongering that is so empty and hollow be, it, that it's, it's a giveaway that as a party, you know you're not doing anything and you're not even trying to do anything anymore. Like, it's just taken for granted that uh, this is what we're going to do. And um, and so um, it's it's a it's a uh, it's a tactic that's uh, ironically, it's the same kind of tactic that I think of when I think about Republican ads, right? Like liberals want to fill our institutions with homosexuals and you know, gay marriage will up in the American family and destroy our communities. Uh, teachers are uh, pedophiles that are uh, grooming uh, your children because they, they want to uh, start a sex ring at a pizza parlor. It's that's this sort of like crazy over the top fear mongering uh, thing. And so, whereas you could imagine like, you know, thanks to Democrats, um, uh, 4 million uh, children didn't go back into into uh, poverty because Democrats made sure that the uh, uh, funding for uh, for child care and for uh, uh, child uh, school uh, breakfast and lunch programs, that that, that funding uh, was allowed to continue. You know, th thanks to Democrats, uh, Congress has plenty of uh, funding uh, to fight uh, covid. I mean, you want to talk about doing exactly what Donald Trump did. You know, Donald Trump was lambasted by liberals for blowing off COVID, not doing anything about it, which he should have been, which he should have been. But with Biden in the White House, Democrats in control of both the Senate and the House, they don't make securing funding for COVID a priority, which means uh, you can no longer get your free uh, tests. You can't do that anymore. If you want to get a bunch of free tests because they're having to hoard them for what they're anticipating is to be another surge in the fall. Right. And 
it's always this way in America. We don't ever deal with the problem. We're just conditioned to accept it, right? And so it's an appeal to our pride and our hardworking nature. And we'll make it work. I can deal with this. Um, yeah, speaking speaking of COVID, it made me think of my the 97-year-old lady that she used to live here. Uh, she lived in the house we live in now out here in the country. And she died uh, last week from, guess what? COVID. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Made it 97 years of COVID. Finally got her. She went into the hospital for a procedure and caught it there, apparently. Um, but, wow. Uh, yeah. Fucking sucks. And I guess she was vaccinated and all? Uh, I'm not sure about that. She might not have been. So, you know, it's her fault. Yeah, that's right. what she gets. But, um, but anyway, but to the speech that you were talking about with Biden, um, this, like, I'm really going to put all the focus on Trump. And, of course, we were talking about, uh, I think, just last week, how American families themselves, you know, American liberal families, um, are are saying the same thing. And I think that's an example of how it's not a simple matter of, the the leadership and the media tell people what to think but it's this mindset that everybody who is on team democrat clings to that they they know they're worthless they know that they're not accomplishing anything right but they um you just don't know how things work david it's done incrementally it takes a long time to get things done we are the knowing and it is happening, but you're just too much of a hot-headed, uh, fried brain, uh, muddle-headed, don't know what's going on. You know. Meanwhile, at the same time, I'm, I'm. Uh, Got to be a realist, having, David. Uh, Got to be a realist. Right, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm mocked for being this kind of uh, rain man. Uh, autistic person that <laughs> just remembers all of these facts and <laughs> statistics and numbers and dates just relentlessly and perfectly. So how can I not know what's going on? <laughs> but I don't have my emotions under control. Like, oh, so the, the a place that's the worst performing nation in the world responding to the pandemic where every political point of view is 100% fear-mongering. These people have their emotions under control. <laughs> I mean, speaking of, of Biden and the whole fear-mongering agenda, I mean, I maintain that definitely the best thing that can happen is uh, for the Democrats in November and then certainly Biden in, in 24 to lose because otherwise, I mean— it could be another 20 years that you would be stuck with this same type of, of, of leadership. I mean, if, if Biden runs in 24 and gets reelected, then it's going to be Kamala Harris, right? So you're still stuck with this same uh, group of clowns, right? The Obama-Con, Hillary Clinton, Clinton, um, uh, these uh, – these 
conservatives, right? And in, in the case of, of um, the getting up to, to Biden, I think uh, a right-wing extremist, uh, I definitely think that uh, I agree with you on that. And I, I think I've said that before. <laughs> I think I was right. saying that back when there was this pipe dream that maybe Bernie Sanders could, could pull it off uh, again. Um, uh, but I think um, that among the many faults of the way that liberals and diehard team Democrat, this is my triumph, my small triumph. Um, the, I mean, the way very, that they very it, small triumph. Even if you wanted to give them some credit, some benefit of the doubt, there's still no excuse for not having a long-term approach to politics, right? Especially if you're going to call yourself a liberal because, and you're in a room full, like everybody's graduated from college. You know, one of these people is a college professor, right? I mean, this it's not a, again, um, way out there, super, heavy intellectual thing to say, but what's your long-term plan? So if, when you're faced with a certain situation and in November of this year, 2020, 2024, 2026, whatever it might be, that's one thing. But you also have to be thinking if your ideas are anything but totally worthless, you also have to be thinking about where am I going with this? Like, what do you, want to see America become and where do you want to not see it go? Right. And of course, always the, the, the impulsive reaction, oh, I don't want us to lose our democracy. And of course, that's exactly how conservatives talk, right? They have their talking points that have been drilled in them and they spout it out as soon as there's any sort of debate. And the, the real question is like, I mean, do you want to see America go anywhere or become anything other than what it is? And that's, the, I think, a challenging question that liberals are very bad about dodging. Like, do you accept the status quo or not? And what they always want to do is they want to divide things up and they'll say, well, I'm worried about this. And they've got all their terms like the heteronormative patriarchy. And I'm against that. And but what is that? Right. Like I'm talking about the status quo. That's something that makes sense. Right. The way things are in reality now. Right. The way they've been and the way they are. What do you think? Right. And I think it sucks. <laughs> right. That's what I think. I think it sucks. So I want it to be different. I want it to be better. Right. And I don't hear that from any of these jerk off liberals. All I hear is. Democrats are your only alternative to the far right. And and this insane fear-mongering, um, repetitive, knowing that they're hollow and they don't really want anything, and, and the, where they really have to be called out is that the truth is, is that, yes, they do accept the status quo. They are content, right? Because they can be drunk all the time, and they can have fun on social media, and they can do personally the things that they want to do, and they have their side, 
right? They can't look at the whole, but they have their side, their fragment, their team, their section over there where their spotlight shines on their stars, right? The Obamacon, Michelle Obama, who, thanks to her, we now know George W. Bush really is a great guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I can, I have these, and so the truth is, they are content with a status quo, and that's where they have to be called out. Status quo, gotta go. Status quo, gotta go. Gotta go. Status quo, gotta go. Status quo, gotta go. Status quo, gotta go. All right, that's going to be our chant next March. The next March. Next March. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's uh, do a little international. Uh, touching on Ukraine there a second. A little, little bit of depressing news. The uh, uh, constitutional amendment or new constitution was rejected in Chile um, this last week. Um, I, it, it was definitely... Uh, uh, something significant in 2018 when it was voted on to write up a new constitution, have a constitutional convention, and you know, and uh, send out a have them draft the constitution. And uh, it, it was a f- pretty radical compared to what they had constitution. Um, you know, uh, greatly expanded indigenous rights. Uh, it was like had a hundred rights that were conferred to people, health care. Um, housing you know pretty commie shit really and uh or at the very least socialist uh uh full of that and i think what even though when it initially came out um the polls were positive for it to pass uh you know i think there was just a extreme um media uh disinformation push to like smear every part of it right and fear monger and the divide and conquer it, and uh, it, it succeeded. And uh, you know, it was I think sixty-two percent rejection, something like that. So uh, you know, so Chile continues to be uh, pretty much the most right-wing um, of the South American countries. Well, and speaking of uh, of. Chile, I mean, we have an infamous uh, date, uh, September 11th. I mean, of course, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. most uh, most horrifically notorious for right. what happened in 2001, yeah. uh, which I guess is something we'll uh, we'll want to talk about uh, next week. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Chile, if I'm not mistaken, it was also a September 11th. Mm-hmm. That, it, that would have been 1973. Yeah, that sounds right. The, the coup. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Where the, the, the uh, freely elected... Allende. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, Allende? Allende, yeah. Was the... Uh, was Allende communist? Mm, well, um, yeah. He was, uh, he, he was definitely leftist socialist. I don't know, you know, the details of the... Leftist um, socialist, and right. then um, well, there was a coup. And he was elected. It wasn't like he was, uh, you know... Uh, it wasn't auto- like the Supreme Court appointed him. <laughs> yeah, like like Michelle like Obama crazy places, crazy places like that. yeah, they would do something like that. Now it's not not that extreme. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. So, right. So, uh, yeah, there was Pinochet, U.S.-backed coup, uh, of course, CIA-backed, and uh, killed him, basically. And New York Times said it was, um, uh, what was it? It was uh, that it, he was a suicide. Okay, all right. He, he was suicided. Okay. <clears throat> Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, so anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, so it's been a pretty right wing, I mean, it's not a shithole country, but, uh, you know, pretty right wing government ever since. I mean, they only got rid of them, was it in the 80s or was it like 1990 or something that they got rid of Pinochet or died, I guess was what got rid of, <laughs> how they got rid of them. Uh, but anyway. Um, but, uh, on the whole, hasn't there been, uh, a, a bit of a leftist movement in South America? Of well, I, I, I think, I, I think even the Chile thing is complicated. It's not like, um, um, obviously there's sectors of the country, uh, uh, you know, that's the whole divide thing where there's the left fighting the right and, and it was really kind of a minority position took over the government then and kind of pushed ahead that, uh, type of thing, but this this leftist socialist thing was prominent in the um, in this constitution, and from you know respected people, it was a large group of people, diverse group. You know, it was more like from the people. So um, um, it gives me hope, even though it was um, it was impressive that they even had such a document and, and had the option to have a new constitution. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, all right. I mean, that idea is just so hyper-radical uh, in this country, you know, that we would, like, rewrite the Constitution. Um, even though it wasn't, a, you know, Jefferson said every 20 years they should rewrite it. So it's not like it's some extremist position. The, even the Founding Fathers thought the, it was The okay. dogmatic interpretation of the text. The Americans think of their Constitution the same way they think of the Bible. Right. Instead of thinking of the Bible as a book, right, a, a prominent and significant influential book culturally and historically, it's the book. It is the word. And the same thing with the Constitution. Right. It's elevated um, to this cryptic, magical level. Right. Where it didn't. You can see this in the way that the hallucinated Alito thinks of it and the and, and Thomas and their so-called originalist thinking, right? That their minds are, of course, we could talk modern day, the corollary would be the liberals, right? The, the knowing, those of us who are the knowing and <laughs> we can somehow see defender. <clears throat> Defenders of the status quo, which is the current. defenders. There we go. Defenders of the status quo. We can somehow see that there are these pithy, nuanced differences and distinctions, and this is actually getting better in this way. But you have to really be super smart and and self disciplined and know how to get in here, and you got to be really good at using the internet and got to get into all this information and unpack it and and. Like it's regular people like uh, like Overby or actually, you know, quasi retarded people <laughs> and 
emotionally disturbed people like Overby just don't understand it, right? All, they just look and see that there's a pandemic and there's mass shootings and all of these, there's climate change and, and disaster. And, and he actually thinks that, that that's reality, you know, but it's not. We're the knowing and we can see beyond that. And I read the New York Times, so I know what's going on. And it's not these things, you know, the homicides don't have anything to do with guns. It's taking money away from the police. You know, even though we we have a place like Uvalde where you didn't take money away from the police and you still had homicides go up. Yeah, the, uh, the the liberals. Oh, yeah, going back to the Bible and the Constitution, um, the the liberals think of themselves as the knowing in terms of the, of the modern day uh, contemporary media apparatus and how to navigate information. Right in their elitist, snobby. I know how to know that there actually is a real difference between the Democrats and Republicans and that things are going well and that team Democrat is, is a winning team. And so, yes, I am for the status quo because I think there is progress being made and there are good things that are happening. Hmm. Right. And then the conservatives look at the Bible and the constitution as these untouchable, unassailable things that always have exclusive and pre preeminent influence on whatever the decision making is so so the constitution didn't guarantee a right to an abortion so we can say that uh there isn't one like there haven't been any advances uh in in something called uh medicine and and science in the last 300 years and uh that the culture hasn't changed behaviors and attitudes don't change right these basic fundamental things that uh any human being with a brain knows, right? But the but it doesn't say this and this one thing, so that's not how it is. And forever and ever, America was destined to be a place where men impregnate women and the women stay pregnant and turn out the babies. And this is the next generation that will make more men who impregnate more women so they can make more babies, right? And you have your labor camp and the church. Uh, fear mongers, right? Again, bring it back to the liberals, and, and Joe Biden, right, the, the contemporary fear monger and then historically the, the traditional uh, for the, the traditional from earlier times, the originalist view, the fear mongering coming uh, fr- from there. Right. The church is the fear mongering force that that keeps everybody uh, in line. And then to the people who are in power can stay in power, which means the status quo perpetuates. Um, I'm, I'm drawing together a number of things to, uh, to show how the contemporary liberal and, and the, uh, the traditional conservative are using uh, the same ideas, right, and, and the same uh, emotions which is uh, fear-mongering. The contemporary liberal and the traditional conservative are both driven by fear-mongering. The Democrats have nothing to run on other than to fear-monger their tribe into thinking that if you don't go for us, 
right? These radicals are going to get in. Of course, what's so stupid is that Donald Trump has already been president, <laughs> right? So um, we really nothing was different. I mean, I think this is an interesting question to ask. In terms of, of appearance and personality, certainly uh, Trump is different than yeah. the right. presidents we've had in recent history. Mm-hmm. But in terms of outcomes, right, like the way America was run, what it did, until the pandemic happened, wouldn't you say that 2016 through 2019 was pretty much just like 1980 up to 2016? Yeah, as far as being... Yeah, the the feeling is is more hopeless and um, uh, fraught, right? Uh, you know, especially with COVID, it's um, uh, yeah, a much crazier time. So uh, definitely, uh, it's different in a in a cray cray, scary, right wing, um, fractious. Uh, so that's increased definitely. It's a um, fever pitch. So um, I think <clears throat> so. It, uh, but you know it hasn't alleviated since Biden got in, right? And uh, so well, right. But what I, what I was asking though was prior to COVID, the, like the first three years of the Trump presidency, in terms of, in terms of outcomes, in terms of the way the country was run. I mean, it just seemed like more of the same. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was, it was back to normal. Was what his whole thing was and they did accomplish that i mean you went back to you know people didn't have any uh of that socialist money to keep them from working got everybody back to school got those fucking masks off for once and uh yep let her rip so um yeah bad upon bad oh the movie uh that they came back to me. It was Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Top Gun Joe. <laughs> and uh, I, I that Biden's going to team up with uh, with Tom Cruise and uh, and get some of that footage to the, so he'll get reelected. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he should team up with the uh, the Amy McGrath uh, campaign team because I mean she did a lot of that. There was always those fighter jets and her picture like. <laughs> And her fighter gear, getting ready to go fly those planes. Yeah, so yeah, they could fly together. And well, I I downloaded it. Um, somebody ironically, I I hope it was ironic, or recommended it online. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. So I downloaded. It. I didn't pay for it. I stole it. So at least I didn't pay give any money to these uh, nut jobs. But uh, oh man, I couldn't finish it. It was just. It was the worst fucking thing I'd ever seen, you know. It was so cliche and and just hyper militant and oh man. But I hyper militant. Yeah. But I think it would be worth watching and, and maybe I should, you know, go ahead power ahead and just because it makes you laugh. It's so bad. <laughs> and and it start was the first top gun in the eighties? Uh, uh yes. Yeah, so and it had the famous uh Kenny Loggins song Danger Zone. I wonder if they had the same 
like music person because it sounded like the same 80s style music in this movie so they may have reprised it <laughs> so that's part of that that, che- that cheesy 80s market the song to the film you market oh, the yeah. film to the song yeah yeah they really but did that was, yeah that was a big time hit and hmm. Pretty. Uh, I, I've. Um, I don't think I've ever been able to watch Top Gun the whole way through because it's kind of a cliche, really, uh, generic film mm-hmm. uh, with uh, cliche characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but it's very much right out of the the Reagan uh, clean cut, yeah. militarized, and and at the same time the the hypersexualized. Um, culture with mm. the interaction between Cruz and the good-looking blonde female, who mm-hmm. of course she's reprised in this one. Yeah, she instructors. What's that? Have you seen the new one? Or no, I have. I have. Yeah, so they reprised that character. I went far enough to see that. She, she's like okay. a bartender or something. At a, uh, okay, and uh, right. So she's older. So I guess it's maybe the same person. I don't know. Yeah, probably is but, a nostalgia movie the, for the uh, Gen X. Uh, well, I, I mean, you're, you're right to point that out. But another thing I would have to say is it just shows the recycling of the Reagan revolution, right? And how the 80s are always coming back. Mm-hmm. Perfect Biden. Right? I mean, they come back with Joe Biden. They come back with. <laughs> that was the same uh, time that Joe Biden, like, uh, had to quit his first uh, campaign, presidential campaign. Uh, because know. of plagiarism. Yeah. You know, and were that that would have been like the last we have heard of Joe Biden, but <laughs> I guess like, you know, bad things, uh, some of them at least, they just, uh, they keep coming back, right? Um, He's like herpes or something, man. Can't get rid of this fucking thing. I think a really good point that you made um, uh, b- before we, we fly off into the, with our afterburners before we fly off into the wild blue yonder a really good point that that you made uh is is how the the extremism that i think boiled over in the final year of the trump presidency but what but the point i want to make is what was different about 2020 from 2017 through 2019 the first three years What's what's the obvious thing that's different than when you finally had the 2008 economic collapse and the $700 billion bailout and millions of people had either lost their jobs or they had to uh, incur a significant loss of income in the, the job that they got to replace the one that they lost, uh, that if that wasn't a sign that the country needed to go in another direction then uh you were just simply going to always ignore such signs no matter how obvious they had become and i think that that's clear uh that's clear uh today right that once biden becomes president this right-wing extremism is already has too much momentum behind it and then you have Biden himself, who is a product and an instigator of this right-wing extremism, and he certainly isn't going to change it. 
Status quo has got to go. Status quo has got to go. Status quo has got to go. For David Vernon Miller, this is Dr. David W. Overby, and you've been listening to the Oblivion Podcast.